Hey friends, my name's Stevie Taylor. Welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. My guest today is Sam Trevithick. Sam is a producer, DJ, director, guitarist, keyboard player, and founding member of New Zealand band Shapeshifter and the Peacekeepers. As well as talking about his musical upbringing, the formation of Shapeshifter, and a bunch of other stuff, we also got chatting a bit about the New Zealand music scene and where the Shifters fitted into it all as a band that have done things their own way. Uh, it's a fascinating take on things. Um, he also explains how he answered the New Zealand Prime Minister's SOS call whilst um, Harry and Meghan were in town. Um, so, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Trevithick. Cheers. Well, I think we're rolling. Sam Trevithick, welcome to the Gig Life Podcast. Thanks for having me. That no, all good, man. So, um, been up to today. We'll sort of yeah, we'll start what you're up to now, and then we'll maybe we can, you know, roll it back to the, to the beginnings. And what have I done today? Today I had actually a bit of a morning where I did some housework. <laughs> yeah, I've been going away a lot, and yep. um, yep, and been pretty busy, so. Yeah, I got a chance, but a bit of time off this morning to do some housework, and yep. then um, after that, I went into the studio and did some. Uh, I just worked on, on an idea that I unearthed from earlier this year, which I wasn't sure what it was, and I opened it up and just had a wee tattoo on that, and then yeah, uh, and then I have just been bouncing some stems down for an arranger, John Pasathis, who's a New Zealand, famous New Zealand arranger, mm-hmm. um, who is going to be arranging uh, a couple of songs for us for uh, we are reopening the Christchurch Town Hall with oh. the Christchurch Symphony Orchestra in March. And um, yeah, he's arranging a couple of songs for that. So he wanted the stems for a couple of these songs. So I was doing that. Uh, I caught up with friend today a colleague in the in the music industry who was well, last time we talked he said he wasn't doing so good and I just wanted to um, reach out to him and just you know try and share some some experience that I have with that sort of stuff and yep. that was cool yep um, yeah and I visited my storage unit <laughs> Cool. Um, you're from Christchurch, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. So you're living up in Auckland now, is that right? Yeah. Cool. So Shapeshifter got a big summer or local summer coming up? Uh, yeah, yeah. We've got a few gigs around the place, festivals, Northern Bass, Bay Dreams and, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. We're doing a recording project with the Upbeats called No Sleep Till New Zealand. Um cool. 
is a continuation of something they're doing. Um, and yeah, around February, end of February, March, we have quite a bunch of, of shows as well. Yeah, just it's quite varied this summer. It's yeah, busy. that's cool. Cool, man. All right, Road, let's um let's roll it back to the beginning, the humble beginnings, if you don't mind. Like um yeah, when uh, like yeah, like like we said, you're from from Christchurch. Um, we do you have a musical family? Yeah, um, my mum is an operatic soloist, and my dad were played in the Auckland Philharmonic Orchestra. He was he was an oboe player. Yep. And uh, yeah, so it was lots of music growing up. Yep. And it was classical stuff. Yeah. Around the house. Yeah. So when nothing, there was nothing except for classical music. Yeah. And did you um, learn any of those sort of uh, early classical instruments, like wind instruments or anything like that, or was it just sort of? No. Um, <clears throat> no, I didn't. I mean, I actually the first instrument I learned was cello, uh, but yep. that didn't last that long. Yep. And also, um, everyone was singing, and I I had a go at singing too, but uh, yep. I was nowhere near as good as my sister. Yeah. Um, so I just left it up to her and my mum. Yep. Um, but yeah, cello and then and then guitar. Yep. Yeah. And who was the early guitar influences? Uh, Slash. Slash was probably my main main influence. Uh, yep. Just Metallica, James Hetfield. Yep. Yep. The rock um, stuff. Like. Who else? Yeah, I think, yeah, Jimi Hendrix. Yep. For sure. Uh, my guitar teacher made me a tape of, like, Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton. Um, and, yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's the good stuff. And yeah. uh, when, when did you start uh, learning from a teacher? Uh, I started getting lessons when I was 13. Mm. That's and and I guess I, that's when I started playing. I mean, I just went straight into lessons because that's you know, uh, my mum was, she was supportive and just, you know, it's like if you're gonna do it, you just do it properly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I I got lessons and I was sort of on and off with the lessons for a few years, uh, and then I, yeah, eventually decided to go to jazz school. So that's when things got more serious. Yeah, right, cool. And was it the jazz school down Christchurch? Yeah. And was that a um was that sort of university years, jazz school? Yeah, yeah. So I started going there when I was nineteen. Uh, and so nineteen, yeah, nineteen. And I left a couple of years after that, yeah. So it's about university time. Yeah, okay. So you sort of left before the the course ended. Did you see something else starting to happen? And yeah, yeah. well, we started the band, and it's not cheap, you know, learning music or learning right. anything. You know, costs you money, and sure. uh, so we all got reasonably chunky student loans just for two years of study and yep, and um, student allowance. Well, those yeah, you'd have living costs coming out of your student loan as well, so. Uh, after two years of that, the band was going pretty well and a couple of tutors said to us sort of on the side, like, hey, you know, by the way, you should probably just do what's 
what's going well and you know don't worry about this you've learned pretty much all there is to learn you know from the stuff yep in the first two years yep uh and you know go for it and that was great it was a, a really good encouragement <clears throat> motivation some real world shit you know because a lot of those institutions they just want to suck your money out of you yeah not, not only but that they're a business you know and yep. uh, I also think that people get sold uh, sold dreams that aren't really that realistic just because someone wants to get paid to teach them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, know, I know a lot of people over here that have come out of those sort of institutions with their, their pieces of paper and um, yeah, they're just, they're not doing anything. They thought they think that piece of paper is the, the be all and end all, you know, but it's not working for them because, no, well, they haven't, been, they haven't been out there doing other stuff, and they haven't been gigging, and they want to believe that if they do X, Y, and Z, yep. that they will achieve their dream. And someone says, "Hey, actually, you're right. If you do do X, Y, and Z, yep. you're going to be a professional." And it just doesn't work like that. It's a combination of lots of things, and learning your craft formally is really great, but it doesn't mean that you're going to end up with a as a professional musician and that's kind of gets lost in translation sometimes or sometimes people lean on that a bit, yep. a bit more like uh, we'll place you, uh, you know, there are places for you, I should say. Yep. And there's just not enough places for people a lot of the time. And and about or how far into it did, um, did you guys meet and, and kind of think to yourself, well, after two years, that's it, we're done. Oh, we met in the first year. I met. I already knew Redford. We we played in a band together, a metal band, mm-hmm. with his brother Denver, and <clears throat> so we already knew each other. And basically, you know, we we weren't jazz centric at all. Mm-hmm. We just it was a great place to. I thought I thought it was a good place to learn the theory, um, and way cooler than in classical ways, you know, lots of improvisation, but definitely no skimping on the, on the technical side. Yep. Um, but just it was more, more rock and roll. So, um, yeah, we met each other in the first year and we formed the band in the, in the first year of jazz school and just is history, I guess. Yeah. And, um, you, were you guys living out here in Australia for a while? Yeah, we moved there straight after jazz school. We moved to, oh, right, to, okay. yep. to Melbourne. Yep. Um, and yeah, that was 2001. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. And how long were you out here? Seven years. Oh, right, okay. Yep. yep. Four years. Yeah, four years in Melbourne. Yep. And then, yeah, and then three years up in uh, northern New South Wales. That was Nick and I. Okay. There. Yep. I was in Kingscliff. Yep. Yep. And then what sort of, what sent you back to New Zealand? Flaming Aussies, mate. <laughs> Flaming bloody Aussies. Nah, <laughs> it was just a, uh, Kingscliff was really awesome. Um, but it was just a really a good, great place to retire and not really to be in your mid thirties. Okay. Gotcha. <clears throat> uh, or as it was late twenties. Yep. Um, and I was just, 
yeah, I didn't have a girlfriend pretty much for three years and I just, yeah, it was just a really small town with lots yep. of old people and, and young families kind of thing. It was, and it just wasn't the place for me. Yep. It was great musically because yep. we had a, a studio in the house. We set up a studio. The rent was cheap. We're living across the road from the beach. It was really dreamy, but uh, I needed to get back to reality a little bit. And so Auckland seemed like the place to go. Yep. And what was the first thing you did when you got back to Auckland? I got high as fuck. <laughs> nah, um, what, did I, what did I do? I had a bloody pavlova and yep. a meat pie. Yeah, uh, uh, I fucking I can't remember what I did. Uh, we worked on an album. I actually mixed system. Oh yeah, yeah, because we'd been making system as a vampire for the previous two years, and I'd I'd come over. Actually, the main sort of reason I came over was to mix the album with Evan Short, mm-hmm. and um, I'd sort of planned to stay on afterwards after mixing the album so yeah the, the reason i did come up was to mix that album yep mm. just just didn't go back just didn't go back yeah. yeah um apart from shapeshifters at that time um were you doing other musical things or shapeshifter was that it were you playing in other bands or doing other projects yeah or? so there was the tiki band that, that happened uh, a couple of years before that and was still a going concern at that stage. So Tiki released his first solo album and we basically formed his band, his backing band, the oh, right. uh, members of Shapeshifter, mm-hmm. which was really, really fun. Really yeah. enjoyed that. And it was it was cool to have Tiki, who had supported us for so many years on the sound, uh, to be able to give that back a bit and he could be the front man and we could support him. Right. good vibes. Right, uh, and it was also. Um, I won't. I don't know if I'd say less pressure, but it was. It was someone else's music, so it was just kind of fun to engage on that level. Gotcha. Not like this is this is my masterpiece. Yep, sure. It my masterpiece. It was someone yep. else's masterpiece, and I was just there to help. Yeah, it's quite a different dynamic. It's pretty enjoyable. Yeah. Now, do you? Like just just on that a little bit, do you really feel that pressure when you're doing your shapeshifter stuff? Uh, yeah. Well, it depends. You know, it depends what frame of mind you are. What you know, sure. what you had for dinner the night before. I don't know. It just there's lots of things that can contribute to your state of mind because pressure is one of those things that uh, sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's a hindrance, and I kind of just think what comes to mind when I'm talking about this is Prince, you know, like I love Prince and I've seen him play twice. I even touched my hand. Oh, no he's way. man. It's like, and he's just the funkiest dude ever. And he had such a prolific output and I feel like he was really driven, but if you watch him perform, it just feels like pressure is just rolling off him yep. like nothing else. And he's got all this, quite intense choreography and 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 improvisation though so much improvisation and it's all just executed with this level of mastery and there is a lot of pressure there as a famous dude and but he i just feel that he converts that into just freaking power juice and yeah yeah you know like i think 
that's the trick with pressure. You either sort of you get into this zone where you it's not pressure, it's something else. Yep. Um, but yeah, with shifters, I get you know we have a legacy, I suppose, and and um, there's been times when you felt pressure or pressure to prove yourself, you know. Yep. Yeah. Um. Do you feel that uh, that sort of goldfish bowl sort of syndrome being in New Zealand? Do you feel the extra pressure being, you know, being at home? You got more sort of eyes on you, as if saying if you come to Australia or you go play Europe or something like that. Is there more pressure? Um, more pressure to play at home? No, I think actually you probably feel a bit more supportive. But it's different. Okay. It's, you know, it's yep. different. Totally different dynamics. Yep. We're going overseas to a festival. I feel more pressure to like, you know, show people what we've got. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's also quite freeing in that way. But it's like you're going, okay, well, you may never have heard of us. Whereas if we're playing at a festival here, to all your friends, like, okay, well, yeah, probably most people have seen us before. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Um, so that's great. A lot of positive attention. Sure. With. Yep. Um, and the pressure might be to to do something new or to change it up. Right. Uh, that's that's a different kind of pressure. I don't really feel I feel eyes. I mean, yeah, I guess once again, it just comes down to just mental state, state yep. of mind. Sure. Um. Ideally, you just feel like you're rocking. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Because pressure's like. Yeah, it can be kind of destructive. It can also be motivating that, you know. Yep. Yeah. So peace, the Peacekeepers, how did that come about? Uh, well, that's been going for, for over a decade now. And it started okay. during that system era in, um, in Kingscliff when we were writing that album. And it was just we were writing a lot of music at that stage. And there was there were a few ideas that just didn't really fit Shapeshifter. And we... I. I think the system was quite an intense album in that <clears throat> I had a real vision for it being live, being this kind of, how would you say it? Like a zenith of, of our previous 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, we were a live drum and bass band. We'd had all this experience. We'd sort of honed what we did into this quite special thing, you know, as far as I was concerned. And it was, I was really fan, fanning out on... Um, stuff like Kings of Leon, things where you can really just hear the band. You can just feel them, feel the energy and all the instruments and they're playing. And that's what I wanted to get out of the album. And I was just sick of trying to make things electronic all the time and, and right. squeeze our sound into drum, you know, this drum and bass uh, mold that, you know, wasn't really doing what we wanted it to do. We were wanting to get all this attention from overseas and it was kind of like, not happening the way we want. So I was like, well, fuck this. I'm going to like make a, an album that sounds like us. I want Redford, Redford's drums all over it and just to be, to be the, the main emotion and body yep. of the rhythm. And we achieved that. I'm really proud of that album. But in the meantime, there was all this other stuff that we were making that just wasn't, you know, it was more lighthearted. It was yep. more kind of like playful or just, you know, hip hop or something that, that didn't really fit the, vision for that so we started yeah the peacekeepers and and you know a lot of stuff in that era actually got lost in a hard drive that i left on a plane <laughs> um which 
was gutting, so gutting. Um, so yeah, there was a fair few songs there that never got finished, um, and there's still a fair few more. Yeah. That's kind of a good excuse, and as for the ones that haven't gotten finished since then, there's not as good an excuse. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's been we've done a lot. We have released some tunes, and uh, there's been a lot of. Um, sound system kind of DJ stuff, which has been really great to express ourselves in, in ways that are different to Shapeshifter. Yeah. And, and to, you know, because I'm a DJing for 20 years and mm-hmm. and the, the sort of art of selecting tunes on a PA to a dance floor is something that's really, um, it's its own special thing. It's, it's yep. really cool to be a part of that. Yep. Yep, that's cool. Now, when we... Um we met well, probably a month ago or whatever it was back in Sydney and mm. you guys are here and an awesome show by the way. Um, now when we were backstage, you were, we were talking and you mentioned something about, I mean, you guys have done really well and you've won these awards and, and all these things, but you don't really feel like you're being recognized in New Zealand in the, in the sakes of like, yeah, that's a few beers deep comment, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yep. Do you, remember, do you remember talking about that? <laughs> oh, I just, you know, it comes up every now and again, you know. But, but I, I think, um, you know, that to me on the surface of it sounds a bit sort of ingracious or something. But uh, no, I, no, I suppose, you know, I suppose the, the main, you know, there's, there's a few things. Like we've never really played with the industry, you know, like fucked with them in, in that way. Like we don't, we don't do the networking and the schmoozing and the kind of like. Okay the record company this and that or the or the industry thing we've always been the underdogs you know the guys from the south island who have done it their own way that no one really understood what they were doing we didn't get played on radio for a very long time I mean, student radio were great straight off the bat but we didn't get funding we didn't get commercial funding for a really long time um and we've achieved this success which is amazing we're so grateful for it yep but it took a while to get there and i think it's just important to remind people that it was hard earned and it wasn't like given to us we saw a lot of bands when we were coming up that would all of a sudden emerge on the scene and they were getting lots of money funding attention record deals and it was like boom like a year later two years later like no one they're gone Yep, and we were just kind of like, well, we've been working pretty solidly. We're getting really good audiences, um, and we're doing it our shit our own way. We're not making like generic, fashionable music. Yep, we're making music that we believe in, and we're we're climbing this sort of um, slope upwards, mm-hmm. uh, and no one's paying us any attention from the industry. Right. That was hard. We just had a chip on our shoulder for a long time, and there's you know little splinters of that chip remain. Sure. Um, but uh, right now, I mean, we're in a great position. You know, people people in the industry will pay us attention um, when it comes to if we've got ideas for projects, or you know, we get funding for for most of the things that we release. So that's really important. That's really yeah. supportive. Yeah. But I think, you know, I was talking about magazine covers as an example. Like yeah. We've never been on one yep. in this country. And it, and But we've, like, got quite a few 
platinum albums and Indeed. you know uh we play big shows here and yeah it's just that kind of like sometimes if depending on how you look at it you go oh we've been overlooked in, yep. in a few ways but that's i suppose charming to some people <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but i mean here you are still still doing it your way and still yeah, kicking so ass be, it maybe that lack of of attention yeah is that um we haven't imploded because of the the pressure of needing to deliver something or you know whatever yeah yeah very good um what do you do outside of music when you're sort of away from outside of music i really like tennis I love tennis. And, okay. and, um, now there's lots outside music. I suppose I go through phases of being like just consumed by music and wanting to do it all of my spare time, which has kind of been the last, you know, most of this year. Yep. In times where I just don't have that draw towards it. Yep. And I think that's important to, to have that balance. But I feel great when I do want to be productive and or just, you know, I'm fascinated by music and I want to get my hands on it all the time. That's it's a good feeling. Yep. It can be quite intense, but um, outside of music, I love, I just love nature. I love walking, getting amongst the nature, exercise. I exercise a reasonable amount, I suppose, you know, but I like to do fun stuff. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Um, one thing I've sort of always sort of, thought about you know a band your size with the production that you've got um have you noticed the 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 cost of taking your show out changing every year do you know know what i'm saying um um you know i don't really focus on the budgets but someone does and i tell you what like when we so I, i couldn't i couldn't tell you I mean, I know what it costs, all, all our stuff, because I ask, you know, every now and again, but it's not where I want my head at. You know? Sure, okay. Pay someone else to think about that, because when I'm making music, I don't want to be thinking about okay the the um the numbers being a motivation. I just think it's yeah unhealthy. It doesn't make me. It doesn't doesn't make me positively motivated. Let's just okay. say that. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it does cost a lot of fucking money to get yep. anywhere, and we've got when you've got a minimum of seven people travelling, you know. In, in New Zealand, I think it's something like twelve or fourteen. Okay. New Zealand. Um, so yeah, if you ask the question on how much that costs, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess my my question was, are you seeing it? Those sort of costs going up, you know, next to the the amount of people you're getting at your shows. Is it quite a proportional or oh, is, the industry, yes. is the industry changing so much that it's, you know, you've got, you're kind of having to cut back and stuff like that? Um, it's probably a dumb question. Yeah, I, couldn't, I couldn't give you any, any specific um, examples of, of, of any of that sort of thing. I mean, I just know that we, <clears throat> we're always trying to squeeze the most we can. Um, out of our budgets for the production. You know, we want it to sound good, we want it to look good. It's always been a major priority for us. Of course. But also, we don't want to play for free. Of course. uh, Because we're lucky enough to be able to devote time to this. 
and if we have to work other jobs, uh, you know, we probably should work other jobs if we want, like, you know, to be rich guys. Yeah. But uh, right now, I mean, for the for the time that we've been professional, it's been it's been really great to have the time to to spend on music. Yep. And, and to really just go deep. Um, so fuck, I forgot where I was going with that. Oh, you're just going off one of my really dumb questions. So <laughs> you're trying to make my questions sound better, which was, uh, which was good. No, you're talking about the, talking about the costs. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, things are always getting more expensive, aren't they? It's, yeah, it's sure. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm just asking from someone who hasn't sort of seen that sort of thing on that scale. You know, I'm just, it's curiosity, I guess. Oh, uh, everyone's trying to get more money. Yeah, of course. Everyone. So, yeah, things are definitely going up in price. That's yeah, just cool. the way it is. Yeah. Now, what was your first bit of gear? First bit of gear is probably a uh, Yamaha CG110 uh, classical guitar. Yeah. Still got it? No, it got stolen. Oh, with the hard drive? <laughs> no. No, no, the hard drive was left stupidly. Oh. It, was, it wasn't stolen. But the cleaners, they said they knew nothing about it. So anyway. Um, but no, I got stolen out of my car actually outside a, a sound check. We were sound checking in Christchurch for a gig and it was in the back of my car. I will just, I've never left anything in the back of my car, touch wood since then. And, um, but yeah, it was one, my, you know, my mum bought it for me. It's my first guitar. Yep. It was obviously, you know, high sentimental value. Yep. It was a great guitar. It was yep. like, Fifty dollars in the garage sale, and yep. um, but it was a really awesome Yamaha. They're kind of a little bit hit and miss with their with their guitars. This one was a gem, and yep. um, yeah, yeah. I can I can't imagine how that would feel, but I've got a guitar over there. My dad got it for his twenty first birthday, and it's an old Suzuki acoustic guitar, and oh yeah, it's one of the best classical guitars i've ever heard i mean it's it's broken and i've you know i've had to replace all the you know all the screws and all sort of stuff and there's a crack in it, it just sounds magic I, I yeah couldn't imagine if i lost that kill yeah me. yeah really kill me um so i just one last thing um because i know you look buggered man in there slip <laughs> yeah um recently we had a couple of royals in new zealand and the Prime Minister gave these royals uh, um, some music, which was your fellow's music. So how did that come about? Do you want to tell that story a little bit? Well, uh, the bat phone started ringing <laughs> and I picked it up and it was the Prime Minister. And she said to me, Sam, the nation depends on you. <laughs> and his music in the background. She doesn't really sound like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> now nah, she messaged me and said, you know, cause we, we, I'm good friends with her partner, Clark. And, okay. um, so, you know, we we're on a, we're on a friendly level yeah. and I, and she messaged me and said, this is what I want to do. And I was like, great, that's an awesome idea. Thank you. You know? Uh, yep. and she said, I need it tomorrow. So we, we got it all together. 
<laughs> I suggested what she should give them. Yep. Um, and just from hearing people talk about things recently, you know, Systems uh, sort of emerges as, as one of the our better albums. And yep. um, to me, like I was saying, it really sort of epitomizes the, our essence, I feel, because there's just live drums and it's, to me, yep. it feels alive. Um, and it's got a couple of, you know, Dutchies is one of our biggest songs and, you know, the yep. All Blacks have used that to run out for a number of years onto their test matches. Yep. Thanks to Dan Carter and, and the boys. And um, so it's quite, it feels like quite a New Zealand New Zealand thing. And yeah, awesome. So I suggested that to her and she was all into it. And um, yeah, it was, it was pretty special, like having, getting your name, uh, well, just getting your music praised by the Prime Minister during a press conference. I mean, it's pretty fun. Yeah, awesome. yeah that, that shit goes around the world real quick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was just, I was a proud moment. Yeah. Yeah. My that's, mom's proud too, so that's cool. <laughs> that's great. All right, Sam, well, I won't take up any more of your time. Thank you so much for um, being on the podcast. Oh, that's um, all right. Hope yeah, I hope, 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 hope my questions hope my questions were okay. And <laughs> no, your questions are fine. I, yeah, I'm just, sorry, I'm not uh, super lively. No, it's all good, man. You know, it's all good. That's that nighttime thing. Yeah, man, it's all good. All right, my man, well, all the best for, um, yeah, Christmas, New Year's and, and your gigs coming up. And, um, yeah, can't wait for the new, some new music to come. And, yeah, all Thanks, the best. Bro, I appreciate it. No worries, man. All right. Cheers, Cheers Sam. Catch you, bud. Right. Later, bud.
Impossible to shake you off my mind 